sirens. Chapter 3 When she pulled up to the hotel, John was chatting with the doorman. In fact, the doorman was laughing and waved a cheerful goodbye. She wondered if that was against the rules somehow, since it was such a fancy place. John seemed back to his old self, though, so she didn't say anything. He set his battered backpack by his feet. How was the hotel? Want to move over to the easy sleep? It's something else. I thought that bed was going to start singing me a lullaby. Did you eat and stuff? Stuffed to the gills. You? Lucky charms, right? Why miss with a winner? Got a point. He pulled a fancy camera out of the backpack. Gord showed me how to use this thing, but I think I forgot it all. He took out the instruction manual. There's a good chance of whales, you said? The pamphlet said something about, like, better than 90% chance. I don't know if the weather means anything. She peered up at the sky. I'd stay out of the rain if I were a whale. But whales might not care as much. I hope it isn't too rough out there. I'm not sure if I get seasick or not. Never been on a boat? I went over to the island on the ferry. It's pretty big, and it was smooth when I went. Big boats must be smoother, right? You'd think so. Anyway... I have some motion sickness pills if you start to feel queasy. Are you a boy scout? For a couple of years. But this was your mom. She worries. Marianne fidgeted with the radio. She does. You're so far away. We talk every week. It's not the same, she says. Guess not. The news came on. She listened with half her attention. Is the money helping? A lot. You know, you don't have to send so much. Your mom and I, we do all right. It's okay. I don't mind. Well, you guys said you were thinking about moving east? Talking about it? Gonna make an honest woman out of her? He grinned and took off his hat to give his head a scratch. Am I that obvious? I thought it was a Catholic thing. Confession helps. He turned his hat around in his hands. How would you feel about it? You want my blessing? I guess I do. She jiggled the gear shift absently as they stopped for traffic. At Christmas, her mom's trailer was gone. They celebrated at John's place. She crashed on the couch, the smell of fresh pine and glimmer of tinsel keeping her company. A picture of her mom and John was on the end table, just like the one she had on her dresser. The whole time, it had felt like she was an extra piece. It was kinda like she wasn't there at all. But maybe that was too selfish. She had a home of her own now, and a whole life. Or anyway, a part of a life that was starting to feel lived in. Once, twice a year visiting family, that's what happened, right? Charlene only went home for the holidays. They'd caught up over winter and annoyed a whole sleighful of people with excessive cheer. I don't know. Marrying and all, he said. I'd like to. But, you know. Whatever everyone is ready for. It was nervous talk, she realized. She decided to punt think I should make you sweat a bit. You're a cruel woman. I get that from my mom. You should know that. I see a lot of her best qualities in you. Trying for flattery? I'll do what I have to. She found the whale-watching tour in part. The ocean looked choppy, but it always seemed that way to her. The wind was kicking up for sure, and it was cold even just standing near the water. She bundled up in her puffy coat and toque, 
posing for John to take the pictures that he promised her mom, then waiting patiently while he found someone to take pictures of them together. Then they were loaded onto what she thought was a way too small boat. John pulled his hat down further when the wind threatened to lift it clear away. She stuck her hands in her pockets. It was overcast, and somehow the sky and the sea were so close to the same that she could barely tell where they met. It stung the eyes, all the salty water and silver light. See a whale? Not yet. Sure is a lot of sky. Marianne nodded. Before she'd come down south, her head had been full of nice pictures, like from tourist pamphlets, with perfectly blue skies and a million shades of green. She knew that there was a lot of rain on the coast, but she hadn't quite been prepared for the million shades of grey. It'll be blue again soon. It'll be worth it. Their guide gave an excited shout and slowed them down to a putter. The bouncing smoothed out, replaced by the rocking of tourists as everyone tried to find a whale to look at. She clung to her seat, annoyed at the shifting around. You okay? Yeah, she gave an awkward laugh. It's kind of tippy. An orca burst from the water, gleaming even in the dull light. The boat full of people screamed with startled delight. John fumbled with his camera while Marianne stared, enthralled. A second orca breached the surface, leaving foam in its wake. They looked like made-up things, too perfect in their sleek black-and-white colors for something to have just evolved. Holy. Holy shit. She watched in awe. Light flickered behind them in streams and sparkles, like they pulled thin places behind them. When they dove, the light spread like gold dust poured into the dark water. The small pod were playing, jumping close by, then vanishing, only to reappear impossibly far away. It had to be play. Crows played, and dolphins, and the black-and-white orcas didn't seem to be serious about any work either. She leaned over the side, Golden light turned the water into a sparkling mirror. It was a little thick, somehow, sinking into the water, like 3D. The whorls and tendrils took on shapes that almost made sense. Like listening to French, which she'd given up studying but still understood fragments of. The liquid movement turned it into a performance. It was so tantalizing. She could almost understand, almost see. Hey, you okay? John's hand made her jump. She was leaning far out over the side. Her pendant had worked free of her puffy blue coat and dangled over the surface. Deep down, she swore she saw a flicker of light mirror its shape. A wave hit, wiping away the image and nearly taking her out of her seat. Shit! She fell back against him and apologized, red-faced. She didn't know thin places could be so mesmerizing. Feeling okay? Need those pills? Yeah, no. I'm okay. I thought for a minute I was going to throw up, but it's okay now. She skipped explaining the magic woo-woo. He'd probably start looking for a different kind of doctor with much stronger medication. The orcas finally departed, going about their fishy business. She watched the dusty trails linger, trying to hold on to the sight. It was like chasing mirages. The little patch of humans floating on their very fragile craft applauded cheering and whooping, because that's what you did when someone put on an amazing show, even if it was Mother Nature and she might not be able to hear. But of course she could hear. She was all around them. Marianne looked out at the water, 
feeling the sting of tears. It was the brightness of the gray, that's all. It wasn't breathtaking animals who trailed magic after them. Or Mother Nature. She was definitely not tearing up over fish. There were other things, birds and animals, but nothing compared to the sight of the orcas. Marianne was still trying to commit it to memory when they returned to the tourist center. Their guide not so subtly pointed them toward a gift shop to help warm up after the sting of the wind. John made a beeline for the baseball caps while Marianne wandered between the shelves. Gift stores were odd. Charlene loved looking around and always bought a trinket to remember special events. It was cool sometimes, but there wasn't anything on these shelves that would be as brilliant as the real orcas leaping out of the water, so close she could see her own reflection against them. And she couldn't really share the experience, not really. She closed her eyes and thought as hard as she could at Ash, imagining her tangled up in sheets. Did you feel it? Could you? Even a little? It mostly gave her a headache, and made her a little horny. She found an illustrated book of myths that she thought Ash might like to read. Stories from the Haida people, filled with the fluid, stark art. There was proper art on the walls, framed and ready to buy, carefully signed by the artists and numbered. It was all beautiful. Crazy expensive. Totally worth it, but still, so many zeros. She crouched down to peer at a shelf full of small carvings. Stone and bone and wood animals and people danced on the glass. Even the littlest guys were a bit pricey. Dust collectors, her mom called them. She brushed her finger lightly along the dorsal fin of a small orca. Her nose was full of the smell of cedar. Gonna help you? A light flashed from the corner of her eye. Her hand reached for her bag, heart leaping into her throat. The sales girl held up her hands in apology. The light of her flared, then settled into a warm glow, like candlelight, leaving a solid, dark-haired woman in its place. Thirty, maybe, with dark brown eyes and thick, straight black hair. Sorry, didn't mean to scare you. No, sorry, just concentrating, trying to decide. They're all so nice. Ah, you've been out on the whale watch already. Saw some? I guess you get a lot of this kind of thing. There's a reason orcas are so important. Seeing them is a powerful thing. She picked up a different carving, made of a pale yellow wood instead of red. As soon as she placed it in Marianne's hand, it felt right. Its shapes and lines were soothing. I bet you're good at sales. The woman gave her an odd laugh and shrugged. Thank you? Yes, I, I mean, it was... I meant it as a compliment. Very smooth. She bought the carving and book, and the clerk slid a pretty postcard into the bag with her things. Oh, you don't have to. That's how I make such a good sales clerk. Freebies. She could send it to Charlene. The door jangled, and a guy from their boat came in, looking wild-eyed, and hurried over to the till. Sorry to bother you. This might mean nothing, but I think maybe you should call the cops. A Canadian tourist, then. What is it? The lady was already reaching for a phone. It looks like something in the water. Like an animal or not an animal. God, my kids might have seen it. John was still at the hats, holding up first one, then another nearly identical design, examining them with a critical eye. She slipped out the door. 
The wind snatched at her hair, trying to lift her toque away. No wonder fishermen looked grizzled. She put her gift store bag in her backpack and held it in front of her, just in case. Gravel crunched under her boots as she went around the shop and down towards the shore. Why are you borrowing trouble? Boats had drawn in close around something in the water, ushering it carefully towards land. Men dressed in the giant, rubber-looking hip-waiter things were waiting at the edge of the water to pull it in. Marianne drifted around the fringes of the crowd to get a better look before someone official came to chase the looky-loos away. The smell that reached her was hovering between the good fresh sea air and rotted through. Her stomach churned and her heart sank. At first she thought it was a liquid, like a gob of oil or something, because it seemed to move independently of the water and the boats around it. It flashed a bit like an oily smear, too like rainbows left in puddles, in a way that was almost pretty. In the warmth of her bag, her hand fitted itself around the hilt of her knife. The men on the bank waded into the dark water, reaching out with long, hooked poles. Oh, Jesus! One of them fell back. Get a hold on it, Dave. Dave swore, but moved in to help pull it onto shore. She heard sirens approaching and eased forward, willing Dave to get out of her way. He stepped back, leaning on his pole. She got a glimpse of two forms, like people, but frozen stiff, like they were in ice. Fishermen. She'd forgotten to tell Ash about the fishermen. She strained to see around Dave, wondering. Marianne? She zipped up her bag and hooked a strap over her shoulder, turning to look at John. Behind him, she saw the sales clerk. She was standing in the shelter of the gift shop, hugging her thick sweater closed. Marianne thought she looked sick. There was no way to see it from where she was. Marianne wondered if her flicker meant that she could sense it. Smell or some other way. John was waiting for a response. She shook herself. How many hats is that now? John offered a token smile, eyes skipping past her to the activity on the shore. Maybe we should skedaddle. The police were there anyway. Blue and red lights made the ground jump as they returned to the car. Up on the road, a suspiciously bland gray car had pulled over to the shoulder, and she saw the flash of dull light off a camera lens. Ghost car. She flipped on the car's heater. The clear spaces on the foggy window spread slowly upwards. Something clenching at her stomach slowly let go, along with the damp and cold. We can drop those pictures off at the one-hour shop if you want. Get lunch and pick them back up on the way to the hotel. Sounds good. He took out a cigarette, looked around at the pristine car, and put it away again. Sorry. I get it. He drummed his fingers in time to the radio. That was an amazing thing, those whales. Never thought I'd see them so close like that. What do you usually do on these trips? Hotel room? Good steak dinner? Hockey game, if I can catch one. Something like those whales you want to share, I think. Ash... I know what you mean. How are you doing? I mean, he rubbed his head nervously. Made any friends down here? You mean, oh, um, I mostly just work. Hang out with Sarah when she has the time. Trying to get out and meet people. Slow going right now. Not going to a, I mean, someone? A doctor? Shrink? Doc said it might be good for you. Lots of people are up there. You? 
I talk to people at my church sometimes. There's a kind of support group. That's cool, she shrugged. I still don't even remember that night. The whole day, really, is still a blur. They said you might start, in flashbacks. Nothing? No. I remember getting up that morning. Then nothing, really, until I woke up after everything. Even the few days after that are still fuzzy, all the drugs and stuff. Does it bother you? I don't want to know. I got a clean bill of health. I got lucky that way, I guess. It wasn't some attack, they said. And I know all the weird gas effects messed some people up. So I was really lucky in the long run, you know, compared to some people. He nodded. She wondered if he was asking because her mom wanted him to, or if he was worried about it himself. Wish you hadn't seen that. You looked a little green around the gills. It's okay. Really. You and Mom, you don't have to worry about me. I got a handle on it. He didn't pursue it. If it had been her mom, it would have been a haranguing all the way home, or aggressively judgmental silence. She liked his approach better, even if it made her feel a little guilty. They were worried, and he was a good guy, but Jesus, which bit should she try to explain first? That she was sleeping with her boss, even if it was only technically a job? That her boss was a woman? That her girlfriend was a vampire? Even if he was a good guy, none of those things were church-approved. Her mom, she'd never said anything evil about gay people, but she'd never said anything nice, either. Better if they knew the bare minimum, at least until it was straight in her own head. So to speak. As she was dropping him off at the hotel, he handed her copies of the photos, brushing off her thanks easily. I'm visiting my cousin tomorrow. Garden soon, right? You bet. He waved and closed the door with care. She stared at the hands on the wheel like they belonged to someone else, until an impatient car horn sounded behind her. Last summer was a long time ago, and she had work to do. She wasn't home quite in time to climb into bed with Ash. Even through the heavy door, she heard a pair of voices dueling in high-pitched Italian. It made her wince, just the tiniest bit, and she took the time to fix her expression. The opera cut off as soon as she pushed the door open. You don't have to, she called, hiding her relief even as the last notes lingered on the air. I don't want you dropping off to sleep. She was just there, like magic, wearing a soft, ice-blue henley. Black shorts clung to her hips, contrasting with her pale legs. No different than a hundred times before, but Marianne still felt the air leave her lungs. A whole year and everything she felt rose up like it was perfectly new, hitting her like a truck. My girl? Marianne hugged her, burrowing her cold nose against her neck. Just the feel of her and she was warm in all the places that mattered. Sorry about the opera. I know those tickets cost a mint. No matter. Your snoring was melodious. I liked the music. And the symphony when we went that time. So you did. Ash caught her face in her hands, gentle and sweet. Marianne puckered up. Imp. She got a kiss, even making a ridiculous face. Her hat was removed and Ash smoothed her staticky hair. How was it? Amazing. There was a pod of orcas. I think John got some good pictures. She handed them over and tried to explain it while she took off her outdoor gear. But she was no better at describing things than she was understanding why Moby Dick was so famous. I really should do something useful instead of fucking around with lit. She offered Ash the book, feeling a bit of relief seeing her expression. 
She flipped eagerly through the pages, still taking care, pale fingers smoothing over the paper. Thank you, my darling. It's perfect. She cocked her head. I think I dreamed of whales. Really? I dreamed they were beautiful. I remember them so. You saw them before? The old ships gave me a lot of time to look at water. Planes are ever so much more efficient. And cleaner. She kissed her cheek. You're colder than me. Come, get warm. Ash had taken over a corner of the sofa, surrounding herself with lamplight and books. However expensive the comforts, they were actually always simple ones. The day's newspapers were untouched on the desk, but the floating thing wouldn't be in them anyway. Tomorrow, though. She sat with Ash, the sound of the books turning pages filling her with peace. When the clock ticked over, she turned on the TV, flipping through the channels until she found the local news. Hopefully it would be on an update. Something happened. There was something in the water. Drowning victim? Felt like I was going to throw up, though. You know that feeling? Almost like when we find unformed beasts, but not quite. You were sick? Nearly. Ash brushed her hair back, playing with a lock. I'm okay, but it must mean something, right? It must be one of the things that got out. It's finally a real trail, something that we can hunt. Real progress. Not just a thin place? The city was speckled with thin places, and people like the shop clerk, who lived near them and carried bits and pieces of it with them. Ash told her to be careful of the people, if not the places themselves. After today, she understood why. They don't make me feel like that. Sick. Only things from that place do. It wasn't as bad as before. Like it wasn't quite the same, but it was close enough. She looked at the remote control. I was kind of hoping the sick part was a side effect of being knocked up. Guess not. That's a mixed blessing at best. There. She sat up, turning up the volume. News footage showed the beach and the cluster of boats she remembered. There were police cars and a van, maybe for the bodies. Two people in a lump of ice, Marianne murmured. Have you seen that before? Not that I can recall. Ice can travel far. Maybe there was an incident this winter and it floated down. She looked quickly at Ash. Flickering light from the TV was the only movement in her face. She sounded optimistic, like she was hoping. It sounded like she wanted it to be a random accident. It isn't really her job anymore. She finished her quest. I was the one who set all those things free. It's my job to do. She can enjoy a bit of peace. Probably skiers going off trail or something. She turned the TV to a sitcom and set the remote on the table beside a familiar, leather-bound book. Marianne felt her face turn red and looked down. You were reading without me? Ash smiled. If you were here, I'd have no need of cold words, my girl. I don't remember them being cold. She played with Ash's collar, sliding her finger down to open the first snap on her shirt. The shadow between her breasts narrowed, deepened. Ash was still, patient, but Marianne saw her body react and smiled. Read to me? Which one? The one with the swing. It didn't have a swing. She felt like a child. She swore and talked dirty, but could never seem to force out the straightforward language of love and lust or seduction, or something better than lust, that sounded so normal when Ash spoke it. Ash knew what she meant anyway, 
and turned directly to the poem. The book was handwritten, bits and pieces and poems that Ash collected over the years. Some of the writers were famous, some she'd never heard of, and some Ash neither named nor explained. Books and books full of love kept in the bedroom. When she was still recuperating, waking up from feverish nightmares, as long as it was night, Ash's voice was there to read them to her. She left one by the bedside for daytime. Marianne's tired eyes would travel over the flowing handwriting and hear Ash's voice in her head. Now it was a game. Ash loved it. Marianne undressed her, teasing with fingers and mouth in the ways they liked, listening to her voice tremble, rising and falling, until she gave way to moans and set the book aside. That's all for chapter three. Tune in in about two weeks and we're going to go to do some research in the public library. I'll try to make it a little bit more interesting than it sounds. Thank you for listening to chapter three of Sirens, the sequel to Mayfly. If you'd like to read that novel or any of my other novels, please visit my homepage or my Amazon website for more information. In the meantime, thank you to my patrons. If you'd like to get these chapters two weeks early, you can visit my Patreon site, and for $5 a month, you can join in the fun and help support the story. Thank you again for listening.